Sanctuary Church, how are you doing today? Come on, I know you are the awake crowd. I know you guys got to be able to give me something this morning. You're going to be able to keep all of us awake. You got to, yeah, if, you, if you feel like you're drifting off this morning because you lost an hour, just, just give me a nod. Sometimes I tell our students on Friday nights, I'll just be like, you know what, if you're, if you're having a hard time paying attention, just keep giving me a good nod. That'll just keep you awake. Keep those eyes. Every once in a while, give me an amen. Hopefully it's at an appropriate time. Just amen. All right. So we'll, we'll get through this. I know you lost an hour of sleep, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to be able to bring you the word this morning. Uh, and I just want to pray before we dive into the passage that God wants to bring. Are you good with that? One person is good with me praying. Okay, good. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I know that you want to speak to us right now, God, and so I just pray that you will be with us as we dive into your word and as you speak to us, God, would you use me, would you use this message, and God, just uh, what's been on my heart is just that you would continue to, your word would just be a, a lamp into our path, that light that guides us, God, and so Lord, I just pray right now that, that you'd use this time that we have to just... Uh, dive deeper into your word and fall more in love with you, God. I thank you for this in your precious name. And everybody said? Uh, I want to read a passage in Romans 8.28. You can turn there right now. Perhaps you haven't memorized. We love this passage in Christian circles. I love reading it. Uh, I'm sure you've used it. Hey, you might even have something, some piece of artwork somewhere around your house. It's plastered up there. You like it. It's a source of comfort for you. Uh, we're going to read it this morning. Uh, Romans 8.28, it says this, And we know, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Oh, we, we like this. Man, the kids move out of the house and they move off to college. God's working it for your good. When you're single and you find that special someone, God works it for good for those who love him. I mean, we, we love this. And I, I mean, it, it's, it's a source of comfort when things go good. You got a new job, a new raise, and God is working it out for your good. And, and you see where I'm going with this. You're like, there's something's going on, something's going on. I mean, we like this. I, I, I've seen it, though, as well as a, in times of heartache where people are there and, and they don't always understand things. And it's kind of what we slip in there. It's what we slip in there when we can't necessarily explain what is currently happening. And some, maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe you are mourning. Maybe there is a situation that is incredibly difficult and you're not celebrating. Then we sneak this in there. And maybe you've had this. You've had a mature believer come up to you in that time of incredible difficulty. And they mean well. We mean well when we say, hey, God's going to work it for good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. And I, I, was, I was going through this passage with our teenagers. We've been going through a series actually where we look at passages that are often misused or misquoted or, or, or taken out of context. And I brought up this passage, and, and so I want to kind of share some things with you today because I, I think that sometimes we assume what God's good is. I think sometimes we get to this place where we know what is good. 
It's one of these verses we, we pluck out of its surrounding context and we take it out and we put it into our worldly view. And so we think we understand what good is going to happen. I just wonder if we need to stop telling God what his good should look like. Whew. I, I just wonder, I just wonder, you know what I mean? I just wonder if we got to stop uh, on the what the good should look like while you're sitting there and you're praying prayers of what God's good should look like. Oh, I don't know if you're following with me. Like my question is, why does our good always have to look financial? Like why does your good have to be that the doctor gives you a better diagnosis? Like, why is your good a new car or a new house or a new relationship or more hair or to be taller or to be stronger or to be healthier? I know, I, 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 told, I didn't tell you at the beginning, I didn't tell you this wasn't going to be a comfortable message. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I probably should have given you the disclaimer. I know, I was wrestling through this passage and I was just in this place where I'm like, God, what, what is this supposed to do? Because I just think that sometimes we're in this situation where we've established unhealthy, toxic habits, but we're there saying, God, you better work it out for my good. Now, now understand this, I, I want to make sure that, that we, we understand I, I'm not here to try and preach like a poverty prosperity. Because there would be some who would come and, and be like, well, you should be, you should be poor and you should be broke and basically you should be miserable and that's, that's your relationship with God. And that's not what I'm here to talk about. But what I want to talk about is that there's a whole lot of good that God is doing. God does supernatural, he does the miraculous, and he can bring that job, and he can bring healing, and he can restore things, absolutely. But so many times we get to this verse, and we assume what it's supposed to look like. And we, we get here, and we find ourselves thinking that, hey, I, I'm not sure I'm experiencing what God intended. And I'm kind of here just saying, I think... I think that the good that God wants to do is still happening even when you are struggling, even when there is difficulty, even when there is some straining going on, that there is some good taking place. I think that we've confused heavenly kingdom good for earthly good. You're not getting too quiet on me this morning, are you? I want to read. Romans 8, 18 to 20, it's going to help give us a little bit more context this morning as we approach this passage. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. <laughs> Paul, Paul here is talking about how we are going to be God's children. We are his children and we are also going to share in some of his suffering. Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler? It's in Luke. 
Uh, actually, it's in multiple Gospels. I was just looking at the one in, in Luke this week. Uh, the rich young ruler, he goes up to Jesus, and Jesus has been teaching to a whole bunch of different crowds. And, and he, he talks to Jesus, kind of stops him. Hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, hey, hey, I'm over here coming out to your gatherings. Hey, I, I've, been, I've been doing all sorts of awesome stuff, Jesus. I've been following your commands. I've been giving to the poor. I've been, uh, I've been really ridiculously, extraordinarily generous. I, I've, been, I've been faithful to my spouse. I mean, I've been, I've been doing it, Jesus. Hey, what, what else do I got to do? And, uh, and Jesus turns to him and says, wow, you're doing incredible. You're killing it, man. You are living your best life ever. What you need to do is you need to go get some other disciples around you. You need to sign a book deal. You need to go get some other people. Tell them how they can live their best life ever. No, no, no. No, it doesn't say that. In Luke 18, 22, Jesus, knowing the condition of his heart, asks him to do something that is incredibly difficult. And... <laughs> This is one of those verses we make sure we don't get out of context. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? We're, Whoa, he, God asked them to give everything away? That can't be right. There's got to be some context behind that. <laughs> Luke, Luke 18, 22, when Jesus heard his answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. For he was very rich. Uh, I think that sometimes in trying to understand what God's good is, we sometimes seek the gifts instead of the giver. We seek his present, his gifts, more than his presence. And the rich young ruler was going through this system where he, he felt like he had the good that God was talking about. But Jesus saw through that and began to say, Noah, you're missing it. You're misunderstanding the kingdom. I think I've spent a lot of time, this as a personal confession, I've spent a lot of time growing up where I think I knew what God's good would look like. I left God up to the how. You ever do that? God, I'm not sure how you're going to do this, but I know what I want the good to look like. You, you ever have that area in your life? You're like, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but this is what I really need. And, and, and sometimes, oftentimes, I think that the more mature we get, the more sincere we are with those prayers. Like we, we aren't always like, God, I really need to, to get that new car. But we, we sometimes are like, no, God, like I le legitimately need this breakthrough right here. We legit, this is a prayer request unselfishly or selfishly that this is what I need to make sure that my bills are paid or something like that. And, and we go through, but, but I think that sometimes God's like, no, I know the how and I know the what. I know the how and I know the what. And what happens sometimes is we get to verse 28 and all of a sudden challenges begin to come in our life and we can begin to question whether God's really around. We can begin to say, well, God, I'm not experiencing the good that I thought I should be experiencing. And so I don't know if you exist. I don't know if you care about me. Maybe you don't love me. Obviously, there's more favor on that person. Uh, maybe there's more favor on that person. You love that person better because I'm not experiencing the good that I think I should be experiencing. <laughs> 
I told you, God, I don't care how you do it. I'm just, here's the good. Oh, oh. Am I the only one who gets trapped in this? I don't know. So we get here, and there's this struggle. But, but the thing about verse 28 is verse 28 is what you read after you've been through the struggle. Verse 28 is after the struggle. It has a whole lot more to do with eternity than our present reality. And so you might be tempted to abort the struggle right now, but you don't recognize what's taking place, that sometimes the struggle is the solution. That sometimes that's exactly where God wants you to be. That's exactly where God is working. Hey, look at this. What then is the good? It's defined in verse 29. If we can read that, verse 29, it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Conformed to the image of his son. The good that God wants to do is not comfort, security, health, or wealth. It is to be more like Jesus. Oh, thank you. I mean, somebody's getting it this morning. I know, I know, it's to be more like Jesus because it's in Jesus that we find perfection and in Jesus that we all of a sudden find a new strength. It's in Jesus that we find a new hope. It's in Jesus that we start strain, we stop straining for all sorts of things that are never going to bring fulfillment and all of a sudden we set our eyes on things above, not on things on earth and all of a sudden we begin to see the world with a new perspective and God does something inside of us. We don't become more like our neighbor, we become more like Christ and Christ begins to work inside of us and through us, that is the good that God wants to do in our life. But so often we misunderstand kingdom good for our worldly good. Sometimes we seek the gifts instead of the giver. Ultimately, all things work together to bring Christians into the image of Christ. And I think the question is then, as we go into today, what areas are we not dealing well with? Like what areas are we struggling in? Is it, you, is it a relationship? Is it at work? Is it a marriage? And, and probably the best things to understand would be how would other people judge you in these areas? Well, Michael, I don't want to be judged. No, 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 just hypothetically, I'm sure. Nobody would ever judge you. You're perfect. But hypothetically, if there was an area that you needed a little more refinement, a little more grace, a little more strength, a little less anger, a little more forgiveness, a little more patience. I, I would imagine that if we were to sit down and look at a bunch of different areas, we would say that there are some areas that, that we are doing well in. I would say, hey, I feel like I'm doing pretty good in this area in my life. And you would say, yeah, I think I, I have a good handle on this. But my question would be, what is that one area that maybe you don't even let Jesus touch, that you don't even let God into, and you're just sort of like, I know, God, we will eventually get to that area of my life. I know I'll need to eventually deal with that addiction. I know I should probably treat my spouse better. And we'll get there eventually. But, God, there's a whole bunch of other areas. I just want to tick these off a little bit. I'm, I'm winning in these areas a little bit more. And so, God, can we just deal with these things? But what if, 
What if in the areas of your life where you are the weakest at, God wants to do the most work? What if it was in those areas that God wants to see Jesus shine brighter? No, Michael, you don't understand. It's, it's hard. I've tried. I've, I've failed multiple times. I keep trying and it's not working. Maybe you've just walked away entirely. I've been working on this for too long, Michael. It's just I, I never see the victory that I want to see. It just I always default back to here. I just find myself in, in the same rut. I just I, I don't know what comes over me. People, it, it's not me, Michael. It's other people. They did, if people weren't so dumb, if people didn't say such stupid things, I wouldn't have to comment on uh, online and I wouldn't have to say things. But Michael, I'm just trying to rid the world of more stupidity. And I'm just trying to uh, put some common sense into people's lives and into my marriage and into my kids. And I'm just trying to talk to my coworkers. I'm just trying to be a better leader, but, but oh, wow. Like God wants, God wants to work in that area. And I think if we get to this moment where we begin to say that, well, I, I don't know if God's working for my good, or we get to these areas where we're saying, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to achieve that, then I think we've spent too much time looking at verse 28 and we've missed out on some of the other verses. Because what we might need is we might need verse 26 in this moment. I'm sure you've memorized that one as well. Why don't we read it all together? Verse 26, likewise. No, you didn't, didn't memorize that one. Didn't, didn't put that one on your Instagram post. Don't have a poster of that one. Let's put that one up on the screen. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Oh, here's where we go. See, verse 28 is when you get to the top of the mountain and you can look out across everything that you have struggled to come up and you get to say, God worked it for good. But verse 26 is what you read when you're in the valley and you're beginning to struggle and strain and you're thinking, I should just give up on things. I'm not experiencing what I thought I should. And in that moment, you begin to lean into, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. When I'm at a point in my life where I don't even know what to pray, I'm unsure what to do. There's all sorts of things going on, and, and uh, it, it's unsteady. It's unstable. The economy is unsteady. There's all sorts of things going on. And, I, God, I don't know what's going to happen with my own life. I don't know what's going to happen with my marriage. I don't know if I'm ever going to be married. God, I don't know what's going on. Likewise, the Spirit helps. And when you're in that moment, because sometimes we look and we, we say, uh, us Pentecostals, we love to say, oh, this is probably a, a verse on the Holy Spirit. And this is the Holy Spirit. And we are speaking in tongues with wordless groans. But what is more accurate is this is the Holy Spirit being an advocate for us. It is in this moment that when we find ourselves in a situation or a place where we're like, God, I want not my will, but your will to be done. Lord, let me say that another way. God, I don't know how or what you want, but God, I know that you need to accomplish your good for your kingdom. And so I want to make sure that my prayers aren't just selfish or reflecting what I think the good should be. So God, in this moment, would your Holy Spirit be an advocate for me? Because I don't know whether I should pray myself out of this situation or cast something out of my life or, or try and, and bring 
bring something else in. I don't know if I should try and get through this or if I should just wait patiently in this moment. I don't know if I need to fight for this or just let you handle this. So God, right now in this moment, would your Holy Spirit be a representative for the kingdom of God so that I could be more like you coming outside of this situation and outside of this struggle? See, if I could make a verse famous, if I could make a verse that we started walking around memorizing, I, I like God working it all for good, but I would go for verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, in the same way, the Spirit helps me in my weakness. In the original Greek, in verse 28, the God is the subject and all things is the object. And, and I know that makes complete sense for you, especially Sunday morning after you've lost an hour of sleep. No, what it means is that you are not the object. The good is, is not the focus. The focus is that God is working in all things. It, it's not saying creates all things and God allowed all things or God desired all things. God wished all things. What it's saying is that in everything that takes place, God is Using it for his kingdom good. God works in all things. The Holy Spirit helps in all things. I wonder if sometimes, though, we would listen to this part of this message, and then we can kind of sit back and be like, well, I'm just going to let God do whatever he wants then, and I will just sit back and see what he does. Kind of this put up, sit back theology. Well, I'm just going just gonna to wait. There are certainly times where we wait. But I, I was thinking that there are some of us where we could be in situations or circumstances where we should move out. Shouldn't be staying. Uh, I've, had, I've had some health issues that I've had since I was a child. Since I was a child. And uh, sometimes uh, they would often land me in the hospital. And I was always frustrated. I was frustrated because I would go up and I, will, I would try and get prayed for. And there would be special ministry. And my parents would be like, you better get up there and you better be prayed for. And they'd bring me up and I'd be, I'd be prayed for. And, uh, and sometimes it was the guest speaker. Sometimes they'd bring in a team. Sometimes it was just our own in-house team. And we'd be going. And, I mean, over the years, I mean, I had just about everything. It cast out of me, I, that things put into me, sprayed on me, wiped on me. I mean, I was pushed over. I was pushed down on my knees, on the floor, on my back, on my stomach. I mean, all sorts of things. And it's frustrating. What, what was frustrating is I don't think that I wasn't supposed to ask for those things. I would often just say, God, why are you? Why are you not healing me? Like, this is, this is not a big deal. This is not some extraordinary thing that, that you have never healed somebody. Like, you have done amazing things. So why? Do you just not like me, God? Like you just, or, is this, or, or you begin to accept it. When your experience does not begin to line up with the theology that you read about in the Bible, you begin to figure out, like, well, maybe, like, maybe my theology is wrong. God, maybe this must be like the thorn in my side that, you know, God, your grace will be sufficient for me. And so year after year, 
year after year after year after year. And I always thought, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. But what you're going to do is you're going to heal me. And I thought, what I thought was I was going to have this moment where I would stand up one day and I'd be like, hey, I had enough faith and I got enough sins out of my life and I drew close enough to God and I read my Bible enough and I memorized God's word enough and I did all the right things in the entire kingdom of God and I nailed it and here and God all of a sudden healed me. It didn't happen. I remember saying, God, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of done with just waiting for you to heal me. And I began to go on this journey where I would find out just, God, what, what spiritual connections does this have? God, what, what implications is the way I eat and my lifestyle? How does this play into what I'm experiencing? I went through, went through a whole host of things, and it was so difficult. But I got to this place where all of a sudden, I wasn't, wasn't taking medication anymore for it. Where all of a sudden, I wasn't, wasn't worried about it every single time. And at one point, I, I, I just remember kind of thinking to God, like, God, did I? Am I just trying to do this thing myself? Like, have I lost faith in you? And what I was brought back to, sometimes the struggle is the solution. I learned a whole lot more about my weaknesses, about discipline and character, about what I was capable of and what I wasn't capable of. It would have been great if God had just healed me in that moment. But maybe what God had for my life, for my journey, was, Michael, I need you to become more like me. I need you to reflect my son. And so we're going to go on this journey right now. And my Holy Spirit will go with you and will be an advocate for you. But sometimes we misunderstand the kingdom. Sometimes we want the gifts more than his presence. But Christ is just saying, just become more like me. In my weakness, his Holy Spirit help me. I would imagine that many of us have things that we are praying for. Things that we really want to see a miracle in. And I would join in those prayers. And certainly, this verse does not cover every situation. This passage doesn't cover every situation that is going to come up under the sun. It was written to a particular people for a particular purpose. In a particular season of that Christian church. But certainly, there may be moments where you are in that God is saying, hey, I'm going to help you in your weakness. Like maybe you're, you're praying for that financial breakthrough and God's just saying, I actually want to use this so that you would be more financially responsible. There would be situations where God is saying, 
I know there are times where I have seen Christian believers say, you know what, I, I don't know why I had this happen, but I went to the hospital and I was just able to minister to people in the hospital. Never would have done that if this hadn't happened to me. God isn't going and setting you in all circumstances. You might have gotten yourself into some circumstances all by yourself. But God will use all things. I, uh, I, was, I was listening to the radio because I'm one of those millennials who likes to listen to the radio. Uh, I'm old school like that. Uh, and I, I heard that the, uh, the lottery, the jackpot, whatever, it was, it was like $70 million. And uh, I, I remember because I commented to my wife, I was like, babe, $70 million is a game changer. Um, and immediately you're like, what would I do with $70 million? And here's one of the things that I've always joked with God about. I've always joked with God about, I'm like, God, I would definitely tithe off of whatever, whatever lottery I won. Don't worry, God, I would tithe. And in this moment, I was particularly generous. I said, God, here's what I would do. I would be willing to take 10%, and I would let you keep the rest. I could do that. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know if it was this God moment or whether my more mature self was just having an inner dialogue with the immature self of me. But I, I was there and just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I could do, I could do seven million. Yeah, sure. You can still do a lot with that, God. You can do whatever you want with the rest. And uh, and God's like, yeah, I guess so. Like what? It's like I think if if God were to give you the winning lottery, I think He would just want you to give it all away. That's kind of like, well, what would the point of that be? <laughs> like, then I don't get to keep any of it. And then it was like, well, why would you need any of it? Well, well, for comfort and security. And it's a lot of money that would change my life. Like in, in which way, Michael? Because I just, I just thought that God was enough. I just, I just think that maybe what you're struggling with in this moment is that you want comfort and security and wealth and health. And God's just like, hey, I, I want to give you something that isn't going to fade, that is imperishable. That's why you have Matthew 6. John mentioned this in his ministry time. Do not be anxious about anything, but seek first his kingdom and all other things. God, in this moment, would you help us to be more like you? God, in those moments where we want out of the struggle, in those moments where we want nothing less than to just be rid of whatever is going on. And God, I'm under no uh, disillusion that there are people here who are, have some heartbreaking situations, God. Situations that, that we would be enraged at. Situations that we wouldn't mind knocking on some doors and saying hello to some people. But God, right now, I just believe that you might even be working in this, in, in harmful situations, in, in abusive situations, God. Not that in any way you desire that, but in all ways that you want to create us more like you. And so I pray that the struggle would be a solution. 
that we would be able to get out of situations we need to get out of. God, for others where you are calling them to stay and just be refined, would your Holy Spirit just continue to help in the weakness, in all weakness. God, I pray that I wouldn't just seek your gifts, but I would seek your presence. God, I thank you for who you are. Thank you that you help in our weakness. I want to read just James 1, 2 to 4 in the message translation. It says this, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If we could just close our eyes again, I just want to just ask and, and maybe have a moment where the Holy Spirit can speak to you where you might just say that there are things going on in your life where you have been seeking his gifts more than his presence. And maybe what you want to do right now in this moment is just have a time where you can ask for forgiveness and repent before your heavenly father. Maybe you've mistaken what God's good is for your own good. Maybe that can even bring a sense of relief for some of you where you've wondered if you're outside of God's will, where you have wondered what's going on, why things aren't turning out the way they're turning out. You wanted things to be one way, but they're another way. Maybe this is just a sense of relief. God does love you. God is for you. He's not against you. In fact, he has his Holy Spirit that he wants to send and has sent for you to be with you, to, be a, to run alongside you, to carry you, a representative even into the Holy of Holies to pray what we don't even know what to pray for. Maybe your prayer, even just in this moment, is just, God, just make me more like you. It's just a reminder. You knew this verse. You knew the context. You knew the understanding. You're like, no, Michael, I get that. Well, my prayer is just, God, just make me more like you. Make me more like you.